Welcome once again. Uh, it's just such an honor to have uh, my friend, Pastor Andrew Moman, uh, with us this weekend. Uh, he, he pastors uh, Victory Church in the metro Atlanta area. And uh, we've known each other for about 15 years or so. And we actually, uh, been, you know, we see each other at conferences and talk and, and this sort of thing. And uh, we were on a Zoom call several months back. He was actually presenting. And afterwards, he texted me and he's like, hey, let's catch up. You know, and we're just talking. And uh, I said, I'd just love to have you come up sometimes. And he doesn't do near as much traveling as he used to, uh, largely because he and his wife have an adorable young son at home that's 16 months old. And he's been FaceTiming him since he's been here and, and everything like that. And how many of you know those early days are just so, so important? And uh, so he's just prioritizing his family as it should be and leading the local church there uh, in the Atlanta metro area Victory Church. Uh, but boy, all, all the men that were here for the men's weekend, he, he left a deposit in our lives. And uh, you know, there's two different kinds of guest speakers. There are those who bless, and that's fine. Just, just blessing and encouraging, that's fine. But then there are those who build. And uh, Pastor Andrew, or Mo, as it, you know, his nickname is Mo, uh, he's a builder. And so I am so excited for you to experience, Valley Family, what, what we did at the men's uh, weekend, this weekend, and, and then, uh, of course, 9 o'clock and 10.30, because he's going to leave a deposit in your life that's going to cause kingdom fruit and dividends in the future. And so I don't want to take any more of his time. Uh, I, I just want to give him the stage right now just to share what truly God's put on his heart for you and for me today. But I am going to ask Valley Family, would you just give Pastor Andrew Moman an incredibly warm welcome as he comes right now. I love it. See, I'm going to go ahead and let y'all know this is my favorite time of the day to preach. We have a 1 o'clock service as well back in Atlanta, and I call it the fun p.m., the fun p.m. So I've already heard about you now. They said this was the service that really turns up. <laughs> 9 o'clock, they did great. 11 o'clock even took it up higher, but I heard that the, one, the 12 o'clock is the service to be at. Is that true? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Well, listen, it's so good to be here, and I want to say this right off the bat. Uh, I am here, honored to be here with you today. Uh, as the doc said, he, uh, I'm, I'm not traveling a whole lot right now because of our young son and our local church there, but my wife definitely blesses you. I bring greetings from her, uh, Dr. Kendra Moman, uh, and our son Maximus. We're so glad to be able to be partnering with you today. But I want to say something. I am here today kind of standing in what I would call the office or the function of a prophet today. Now, some of y'all, when I, when I say that, you're like, are you going to call me out? You're going to tell me my phone number, my address? I'm not talking about that. Well, my definition today of standing in the office of a prophet is, is that I am simply a preacher from out of town. What do I mean by that? A lot of times what happens is that we can have a great pastor and a, and a great uh, woman of God here in the house, but what we do sometimes, because they're consistent, because they're always here, because they're dependable, we can get familiar with them. We can take them for granted. We can say, oh, that's just Doc. That's just Pastor Susie. They're going to be here. But I want to let you know, and I'm taking a little time to do this right now, 
because I want you to honor where honor is due. And I want you to understand that this is not happening everywhere. All over the nation, there are churches that still have not even come back into gathering. All over the nation, there are people who are actually closing churches every day. But you guys are blessed right here to have pastors who love you, who are shepherds after God's heart. So if you would do me this favor, not just gratuitously, but with your hearts and with fervor. Can you put your hands together for your pastors, Doc and Pastor Susie Williamson? Come on. I see that. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me here today. And I believe that I do have a word that's going to add value to the house today, because as he said, I've learned over my years of pastoring and just being in ministry that when you come into someone else's house, it's not about just a word that I have that I think is a good idea. It's about something that's going to build and leave a deposit here for the house. And so if you would, just pray with me as we jump into the word. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity for us to walk in the fullness of our purpose. I even love how on the video it says that we were not just made for the weekends. We are made to walk in greatness all throughout the week. And so, God, I pray that as I speak the word today for those in the room and those who will even see this message later, that we receive the deposit from you, God. I get out the way and let you speak through me. And so, Father, we thank you that you are with us today and that we will not just be hearers of your word, but we will be doers of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's jump into this. Listen, I have a question that I want to highlight today that I believe is so important. I believe that this is actually maybe the most important question or the most crucial question that you can ask yourself and that you can allow God to interrogate you with. This question that I'm talking about, it's simply these words, why am I here? Why am I here? I think these words actually hit all of us. I don't care what background you have. I don't care what race you are. I don't care if you feel like you're older or you're younger. I don't care if you feel like you had a certain pedigree or you found yourself growing up on the wrong side of the tracks or the right side of the tracks. I want to let you know this question actually affects all of us. Why does this question affect all of us? It affects all of us because this is the question that steers our lives. This is the question that gives you motivation for getting up in the morning. This is the question that kind of aligns you when you kind of find yourself getting a little bit out of sync. But here's a follow-up question. What happens when you don't know the answer to that question? Or what happens when life throws you a curveball and now you have to recalibrate to find out why I'm here in this season? I believe all of us have faced this, and I want to bring this word today as a reminder to what we need to understand as we grab hold of why we are here. And so if we're honest, even here on this Sunday afternoon, I would venture to say that the majority of the body of Christ, we actually kind of downplay the fullness of what Christianity is. A lot of people in the body of Christ, we are very keen to understand what we were saved from the sin, the generational habits, the things that we know we're not supposed to do. But sometimes we have a hard time understanding and grabbing what we are saved for. And so today, as we're grabbing this, I don't want this just to be a Sunday morning message. I told the men yesterday that I didn't come to talk to your Sunday morning self. Today, I'm here to preach, to talk, to minister, to to ignite something in your 7.59 p.m. on Sunday self before you get depressed about going to work on Monday. 
I want us to be real. I want us to take off the church face. I want us to really grab what God is saying and not just lift our hands with a hallelujah and go home depressed. And so as we're walking through this today and we're navigating, I want to talk today about understanding the assignment. Understanding the assignment. And so in setting the tone for this message, I want to give this haunting statement that will drive our conversation today. This was a statement that was given by the late Dr. Miles Monroe. He passed away several years ago. He is one of my favorite authors of all time. I would listen to a lot of his message and, and glean from his principles. But one of the things that he said that I believe is going to bear witness with us today, he made this statement before he died. He said, the greatest tragedy in life is not death, but life without reason. He said, it is dangerous to be alive and not know why you were given life. And so as he talks about this reason for living, this is what we call purpose. And what I would like to say kind of as a remix to this is that it would be a shame to die and never have lived. What do I mean? It would be a shame to go through the chronological order of years on this earth, but never really operate and live in the abundant life that God has planned for us. And so what we see as we even interrogate ourselves with this particular question or this thought is that a lot of us, if we're really honest, we've been simply existing and not living. A lot of us, if we're really honest, we've been kind of just floating through life, come what may, I'm going to faith it until I make it, and God is saying, I have something more. Say, God has something more. Y'all a good class. Now, I'm a participating pastor, so I'm expecting y'all to go with me today. So in order to understand that we don't want our testimony to be that we were those who died and never lived, we have to understand why we are living. And so the reason why we're living is called our purpose. And let me give us a level-setting definition of what purpose is for our working time together. It's on the screen. Our purpose is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Can you repeat after me? Say, my purpose, my purpose. is to glorify God, glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Now, that's not to be confused with your calling, because I want to be very clear. A lot of times when people think about purpose, they think about what I do from nine to five. When you start asking someone, who are you? They start telling you what they do. And so what I'm not saying, I'm not talking about your job. I'm not talking about even how you want to serve your family. I'm not even talking about how you want to make an impact on the world in a specific way. When we talk about purpose, we're to glorify God by enjoying him forever, by giving our lives over to him. But our calling is how I individually do that. Your calling is how in your sphere of influence, how you use the abilities and the, the ways that God meticulously made you in order to walk out your purpose by specifically walking in your calling. And so today, I'm here just as a reminder by way of Atlanta, Georgia, that God has purpose in every single one of you past this Sunday afternoon service. He has purpose that he wants to see get out of the four walls of the church and actually start to walk into the streets. The Bible says about Jesus that the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. And so what a shame would it be if that we get all of this good stuff in church, we get all of this good teaching, we get all of these great experiences, but it's locked up in the four walls of the church. And so today we're saying we're going to break out. Somebody say break out. So as we're breaking out, I have one simple question before we really get into this. And my question is this, are you ready to walk into your calling? I'm going to try this side of the room. Let me, let me, let me, let me see, let me see. 
Left side, are y'all ready to launch and walk into your calling? Come on, come on. Middle, I didn't forget about you. Are y'all ready to walk into your calling? Come on, that's what I'm talking about. One more time, are y'all ready to walk into your calling? All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Well, listen, the first thing that you need to know if we're going to walk into our calling, if we're going to really walk this thing out, is we have to understand that everything we go through has a purpose. That the journey of your life has purpose. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the good, the bad, the ugly, the stuff you don't want to talk about, the stuff you wish nobody knew, so you just kind of start a new profile and act like you never existed until now. Every single thing has a purpose. And so the Lord kind of gave me this use of words to explain the fact that there is purpose in even the bad things in our lives. I want you to write this term down. It's going to be in your notes. It's called the purpose incubator. The purpose incubator. And this purpose incubator, if you understand an incubator, whether it's for plants, whether it's for maybe a premature child that has been born or something that you need to grow and get some help, an incubator is an environment that has the right temperature, the right light, and the right environment for something to develop in so that it can walk in the fullness of what the original intent was. Let me say that one more time. An incubator has the right temperature the right light. It has the right environment for something to grow in the way that God intended. And so I want to read this definition of a purpose incubator, and it's going to help us in our time today. A purpose incubator is this. It's the process of God, which is the incubator of your ability, that refines you in your calling so that you can fulfill your purpose. One more time. The process of God in which the incubator of your ability that refines you in your calling so that you can fulfill your purpose. And so today we're going to actually visit with, walk with a, a person in the Bible who really personified walking in this purpose incubator. We're going to talk about Moses. We're going to follow Moses on his journey. And so this Moses that we're talking about, this is a man who we actually record as one of the people who are in the hall of fame of faith. This Moses that we're talking about, he was saved by grace because when he was a baby, God saved him from being killed like the other Hebrew babies at the time. But when Pharaoh said, we're going to kill all the children because we need to make sure that we kind of clear the lot. This Moses that we're talking about, his, his mother had so much wisdom that she was able to strategically put him in a place where he was picked up by Pharaoh's family and raised in Pharaoh's house. And so as we follow Moses, uh, I, I like to look back in the Bible and kind of make it real relevant to today. When we look at Moses in this way, we kind of catch him on a particular day when he's taking a walk, getting a little hungry. So I've had the privilege of going to a couple of nice restaurants here in the New York State area. And, and I would like to say it like this. Moses, he found himself on his way to the Shadows restaurant of Egypt. He was on his way to shadows, and on his way, something caught him out of his peripheral vision that he could not let go. He saw an Egyptian uh, soldier beating down on a Hebrew slave. And there was just something on the inside of him that made him stop that said, I can't just let this go on. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever been just walking, minding your own business, and you see something that you just can't let go by? That even though it's not directly affecting you, you're like, I have to do something about this. This is called a calling to help. This is called making sure that you want to be a part of the solution. 
And so in this moment, we see Moses, he turns his attention to this Egyptian soldier hitting this Hebrew slave, and he goes over there, he gets in the midst, and all of a sudden, he ends up killing the man out of rage. He snapped. Have y'all watched that show, Snapped? Some of y'all are like, I don't want to say that I watched watch that in church. But he snapped. And in that moment, he snapped. He killed the soldier, and then he ran off, and he was like, I got to get out of here because I didn't mean to do that. Now I need to leave this place where I have grown up for all these 40 years. And so what we find as we find Moses in the scriptures, let's pick back up with him at Exodus chapter 3, verse 2. Again, he's 80 years old at the time. He's been now in the wilderness for 40 years, tending Jethro's sheep, his father-in-law, after he married Zipporah. The Bible says in verse 2, The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire. Yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Say that. Say, here I am. See, this is a great picture of how I think a lot of our lives look, look, whether you're young or old, whether you've been in the faith for two weeks or you've been in there two decades. A lot of us, what happens is that when God is calling us, sometimes we ignore him until something goes on fire in our lives. Can I be real honest, even as a preacher of the gospel, as someone who's a pastor and leads people, and my lifestyle is supposed to be always in line with everything that God has for me, there are times when God is trying to get my attention that I kind of give him a ghosting, that I kind of give him the side eye, like, I don't know if I really want to hear that right now. But then he says, you're going to learn today. Sometimes he has to set some things on fire in order for me to pay attention. And so right here, we see this happens. There are some things. This, this bush was on fire, but it wasn't consumed. And then verse 4, Moses says, here I am, God. Here I am. I know, God, you're calling me. I know I can sense you. I know that I need to present myself for you so that you can do what you need to do through me. And so it makes a turn right here because once God knows that he has his attention, now he can start giving him instruction. That's a principle for all of us. There are some times where things are going haywire in our lives that sometimes, not all the time, sometimes it's God just trying to get your attention so that he can speak to you. And so in this moment, we see now God says, okay, you're listening now. And in chapter 3, verse 9 of Exodus, God says to Moses, now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me furthermore, and I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, I love this because God gives Moses a clear assignment, but watch what Moses does. Moses does like a lot of us when God is trying to launch us into our calling. Listen to how he responds. In chapter 3, verse 11, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? Can I make that 2022 language? He's like, say what? <laughs> he was like, do you know who I am? Do you know or not know that I was the same person that killed this man? I didn't get convicted, but I know I can't go back. Did you know that I have these deficiencies? Did you know that I don't see myself as someone who could ever do anything significant for you? 
And so as we look at this and we, we grab it right here is where Moses starts to teach us lessons about understanding our assignment. Right here is how we launch into our calling. And God is trying to show us some things. And the first thing that he's trying to show us through this journey with Moses of how to understand our assignment is, number one, we have to, like Moses, embrace our gift. I must embrace my gift. Notice I didn't say embrace my neighbor's gift. Notice I didn't say embrace, you know, my, my wife or my husband's gift. Notice I didn't say embrace the influencer on Instagram who has the blue checks gifts. I have to embrace my gift. And so Moses started to do like a lot of us. He started giving some excuses, five as a matter of fact. The first excuse he started to give God, he says, I'm not adequate. I can't do it. There's no way that I can do that. The second excuse he said, he said, I don't know enough. I don't even know what to say. Yes, I grew up in Egypt, but I've been away from Egypt for a long time. So I don't really know how to relate. The third excuse, he said, people won't take me seriously because I have no authority. He, he, he was raised in a hierarchical system of authority there in Egypt, so he knew how influence would give people a door to their ear. But he's saying, right now, I don't have that authority. Here's one that I think a lot of us can bear witness with. He says, I, I'm not good with words. The Bible actually records that he had a speech impediment, that he would stutter. And so I can only imagine the, the, the hit on his confidence every time he went into a moment where he wanted to assert himself and he couldn't get his words to match his heart and he couldn't get it out, so he just shut up. See, I need to let you know right here, even prophetically, that the devil's desire is to get you to shut up. The devil's desire is to get you to hold back what's really powerful coming out of your mouth because you feel like you're inadequate. But I came here to let you know that you're not inadequate. You have everything you need, but you have to follow the Lord. And so the fifth excuse that he said that if that one didn't get you, this one would get you. He just says, I'm not willing to do it, God. Can, can I get an honest church on this Sunday afternoon that when God sometimes asks us to do certain things or when we read certain things in the Bible, we're like, God, I know that's what I'm supposed to do, but I ain't doing it. Nah, bruh. Moses right here, he had all the excuses. But what I love about God is that instead of him arguing with Moses, he switched it up on him and asked him a question. See, some of the wives in here know what I'm talking about. You know, when your husband is saying certain things, you're trying to get them to do certain things and they don't listen, then you kind of just change it around a little bit and ask them a question. If y'all didn't know that's what was happening, that was, that's what's happening. <laughs> Sorry, wives, I might have spoiled it for you. But he asked Moses a question. In Exodus 4, verse 2, the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, a staff. Now, I need to talk about this staff for a moment. Because if we're not careful, what we will do is that we will read the Bible just as a historical document. If we're not careful, we'll read the Bible not understanding that every single detail has meaning. Everything in the Bible has a direct connotation of what is happening in our lives today. And so when he said, what's in your hand, Moses answered, a staff. Now, as a shepherd, the staff was used for many things. The staff was used to, to get the sheep back in order, to, to corral them, to pull them back. The staff was used that when a wolf or a bear or some animal that was trying to attack them would come, they would hit them with the staff. 
But it wasn't just used for that. The staff was also used, as you kind of study the Bible, it was used to record their history. The staff was used to kind of keep record of certain things, that when they had a certain amount of sheep, they would start to make markings on the staff to make sure they were able to keep up with it. Here's another commercial brought to you by Jesus Christ. This is not in my notes. A short pencil is better than a long memory. And a lot of times what we do is we wonder why we don't remember the things God spoke to us because we need to write it down. You're not that good. I'm not that good. So write it down. So the shepherds, they would write this thing down. They would make markings on their staff. But the most important thing that would happen is that this staff went with them wherever they went. And so the history that they went through, the, the battles that they overcame, the things that were going on in their life, it represent their historical journey with God. And so if you read the Bible, God said to Moses about this staff, once he said, what's in your hand? He said, I need you to take this staff and take it with you to Pharaoh because you're going to need to throw this down and it's going to become a snake because he needs to know that you're not just coming like a regular old person. He needs to know that there's a, a power with you that's outside of yourself. And so I could just fill in some of the blanks of the story and just see Moses on the backside of the desert getting comfortable with his staff. Getting comfortable. Like when he first throws it down and sees it turns into a snake, he's like, no, bro, I'm good. But after a while, he says, I'm going to go ahead and get this. I'm going to pick it up because I'm actually comfortable with my history. The thing that looks like it's going to bite me, I'm going to take control of it because God says when my history is in his hands, now he can use it for his glory. I believe Moses was in the backside of the desert. He was just kind of throwing the staff down, picking it up. He's like throwing it down, picking it up. He was throwing it down saying, I know that I'm a murderer or I murdered someone in the past, but no one's going to be able to use that against me because I'm comfortable with my history. I know in the past that I used to stutter and, and I, I, I don't know how to really get things out well, but nobody's going to be able to use that. I'm comfortable with my history and how God wants to use me. How many of us today, we have disqualified ourselves from the journey that God has because we're not comfortable with our history? We're afraid that someone's going to call us out and tell us about that last thing that didn't work. That last relationship, that last marriage. You might be on your third marriage, but God says everything is new. And so as he got comfortable with his staff, he was able to now use what was in his hand. Watch this. As we navigate through this and see that Moses started to get comfortable with his hands and what was in his hands, he now is saying, okay, I'm able to walk this thing out. Because the announcement that I need to make with all that I just said is that you have everything you need to do what God calls you to do. Can I say it to this side of the room? I need the men to help me out. Lean in with me for a moment. Come on. The men know what I'm talking about. Everybody else just follow them. Lean in. This is me wanting to get close to you. I want you to hear this. I want you to really lean into this word. You have everything you need to do what God has called you to do. Even those of us in this room that don't think we're qualified to serve God. Even those in the room that you're rehearsing the things that you did intentionally, that you knew were outside of the will of God. God is saying, you still are mine. I still want to use you. If you confess your sins, I am faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Stay with me. Stay with me. The reason I need you to know that you have everything you need is because of this. You might think you're unqualified, but God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the call. 
Meaning, if you're called by him, he will actually give you super on your natural and allow you to walk out supernatural things for him. And so if we're not careful, we'll think about our age, we'll think about our race, we'll think about our demographic, and we'll say we can't do it. Somebody say, I can do it. And so as we understand the assignment, we have to be very careful to look at what's in our hands, not compare ourselves to someone else, because this is in your notes, comparison can kill your calling. Comparison can kill your calling. And what I need us to know right now is that I I need to make this announcement. Sometimes we give the devil too much credit. Now, I'm not one of those hyper-grace preachers that say the devil doesn't, doesn't exist. There is a real devil and there's a real hell. But sometimes we're giving the devil credit for stuff we did, for stuff we decided. And what I need you to know is that, yes, the devil is our enemy, and he's a big enemy towards the kingdom of God. But sometimes your greatest enemy is the inner me. Sometimes the greatest enemy that you walk into your calling is the inner me that's convincing myself that I'm not worthy of doing what God called me to do. And so I need us to hear this because this is not a word just for your neighbor. This is a word for each and every one of us. First Peter chapter 4 verse 10 says this, each of you, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. So that in all things, somebody say all things. things. Nothing you do is menial. In all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Hear this. When you stop looking at somebody else's gift and you use your gift and they use their gift, now we come together for a huge blessing to the world. And so God gives us this, and he he shows us this next thing, which is number two, the way that we gain understanding of our assignment is that, yes, number one, we have to embrace our gift, but number two, we have to embrace our God. What do I mean by embracing our God? In verse 10 of chapter 3, God says, come now. What he was saying to Moses is, I want you to come somewhere that I already am. He was basically connoting that you're not going and doing this by yourself. And so if we understand that he's not doing this by himself, Exodus 3 verse 12 says it like this. And he said, God said, certainly I will be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. Then Moses said to God, behold, I am going to the sons of Israel and I will say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now, they may say to me, what is his name? Listen to this. What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you will say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now, let me give you a quick little backstory of why this is significant. I was giving more emphasis in this particular service. I heard this was the Amplified service. The reason why Moses asked God, hey, when I go this time, who should I say sent me? Like, like whose name should I actually put out there of why I'm here? And God answers, I am who I am. I am that I am. 
When you look at the original Hebrew, what that talks about is God being a deliverer. It talks about God in his name of Yahweh. But another translation says, I am present is with you. Why is this important? When I, when I think about this, I'm, I'm reminded of myself as I'm, a, I'm the oldest of six siblings. And when I was younger, my brothers and I, we would go to the park and we would play basketball. But there was this particular day where my brother went by himself. And so he went by himself and he came back very dejected. And I, can, I asked him, I said, Aaron, what's going on? And he looked at me and said, the older and the bigger kids, they wouldn't let me play. Somebody pushed me down. I said, no, they're not. I said, let's go on back down to that park. And so this time when we went to the park, somebody say this time. This time when we went to the park, I sent him out a little in front of me, just to walk in front of me. But I was in eyes view. And so this time when we showed up to the park, it seemed like everybody's tune was a little bit different. <laughs> Big bro was on the scene. And so I remember my brother being in front of me when they were picking teams this time, and they were getting ready to go by, and the guy, I think, was tempted to skip over him, and I just gave him this look. And so he picked my brother. They had a good time. You know, he was, he was more confident in that moment. And what I found was that he knew now that this time he went, something was different. What was different this time? He now had a greater presence with him. Where he went by himself before, he wasn't going by himself this time. See, Moses, the first time he killed this Egyptian, when he had deliverance in his spirit from the very first time, he went on his own strength. He went in his own ability. God made him a deliverer, but he had it just misguided. Because how many of you know the right thing at the wrong time is still the wrong thing? So he always knew that he was supposed to deliver, but he was saying, God, this time when I go, who am I going to say sent me? And God says, now you say, I am is with you. I am present is with you. Can you do this with me? Just roll your shoulders a little bit. You know, get a little bold with the Lord real quick. I need you to practice this because some of you, you're going to go to work this week and you have a presentation for a major uh, promotion and you need to walk in with confidence saying, I am is with me. I know I was a little nervous when I was going by myself, but this time when you're on that Zoom call and they ask you to present and you're a little shy, you're like, I will be shy by myself, but I am is with me. This time when somebody comes to you and says, you're not able to do that, you're not able to do this, you're able to say, I don't care what you say, I'm not able to do. I'm able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why? Because I am is with me. And so he now understood that I am is with him. And so he teaches us a lesson in that. With him understanding that, he says, I am not by myself in my calling. And now I can walk with a different assurance. The assurance was not in his own ability. Even though Moses was raised in the best schools, even though now he had an advantage because he had insider information, the reason why he was able to get success now is because I am is with him. And so as we're navigating through this, God looks at Moses and says, hey, you got all the qualifications, but don't forget, it's only because of me that you're having success. So this truth that we're talking about, the reason why it's important for us to understand that I am is with us is because if we're not careful— We'll take the other extreme and we'll just say, I'm just a little sinner, saved by grace. I'm just doing the work of God for him. Yes, I'm going to sacrifice myself to do what God says. God doesn't want a martyr. Listen to this. God is not looking for martyrs. He's looking for partners. He's looking for you to know that you're working with him, not for him. 
And so when you grab that revelation, it really changes the entire way that you walk your life out. Listen to this. Now, this next piece is very important because what we can do is we can get lulled to sleep. Moses, now that he knows that he's walking with God and God is partnering with him, he sees evidence of God's grace because now they're being delivered. Pharaoh finally said, after all these plagues and after all these miracles, he said, just go, just go. But what they found themselves in is a little bit of a quandary. The Egyptian army started to pursue them when they were getting ready to go across the Red Sea. And so now they have the mountains on one side, the Red Sea on another side, and then the other side they see the Egyptians coming. And I want you to watch this next lesson that God is teaching us through this story. In Exodus chapter 14, verse 13, this is something that we hear a lot of people say. Even you see uh, flyers in people's kitchens and on their home, and they're saying, you know, just trust the Lord. Listen to what it says. Verse 13, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. Some of y'all find that's real spiritual, but let's keep going. It says, the Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Now, I'm very practical. I'll be like, Moses, I know what you're saying. But I see them right now. Bruh, they're about to come kill us if we don't do something. But here's the lesson in the next part that we read in verse 14. It says, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. That's a good principle to remember. But here's where it gets good. Then the Lord says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Can I translate that? Fool, what are you doing? I know you believe in me. I know you're praying, but you need to get a move on it. It goes on and it says this. It goes on. It says, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Pick up your history. Pick up all that you are and raise it over the sea. Divide the water so that the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will charge in after the Israelites. Great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. What he was saying right here is that I'm really setting them up. They think they have you penned in, but I'm setting them up. Life sometimes thinks it has you penned in, but God is saying I'm setting them up. People think that they can talk about you and, and you're going to diminish yourself in the eyes of God. But God is saying, no, I'm just setting them up. And so here's where we learn the third and final lesson for today, that number one, yes, we need to embrace our gift. Number two, yes, we need to embrace our God. But number three, we have to embrace our go. Meaning we need to get a move on it. Meaning we need to activate the miracle that's in pit and pat. There are so many people, even as you see in the scripture where it says, be still and know that he is God. Faith without works is dead, though, y'all. You can pray all day and God is giving you the answer of what, what you need to do, but you have to start moving. And so with so many people saying, you know, be still, God is saying, when you move, I move just like that. And so I, I really believe that one of the main reasons why a lot of people don't really walk in their purpose are not walking in their Monday selves and God's greatness because they're waiting on God to do something when he already did it. Hear this, it's in your notes. Most people are waiting when God says walk. 
Most people are waiting when God says walk. Psalm 37 verse 23 says this. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Let me say this, and I'm going to close with this. Do you want to know the most powerful thing you can do to walk in your calling? Okay, okay, okay. I just went. I thought I was by myself out here. The most powerful thing you can do to start walking in your calling is to start walking in your calling. See, we overcomplicate this thing sometimes. We're sitting here waiting for God to bring, you know, something down from the air. And he's like, one step at a time. I can steer you when you follow me. I can steer you when you put one foot in front of the other. I can walk with you because you're now doing this with me, not just for me. But you have to do something with what I gave you. What if Moses would have stayed there at the burning bush saying, this is a very spiritual moment. Israelites would have died. Like, I know that's funny, but can you think about what we do a lot of times in the church? We come to church and we just want to stay in the presence of God. God is like, yeah, I appreciate you too, but now you need to go out there and do something. What good is it for us to receive from the Lord and never carry it out of this place? And so as I leave you with this, this is what a picture that I want to put in your mind. What I fear about the body of Christ sometimes in a way that I see a lot of Christians, not not y'all, but your neighbors at home. What I see is that I'm reminded of the posture of the body of Christ emulating a track star in the box. A track star is in the blocks when they get ready to run run a race. And a lot of times when they get ready to run, they hear ready, set, and then somebody hits a gun and then everybody goes. But what happens a lot of times in the church is that we are stuck in the starter blocks. That God is telling us we need to do something with what he's given us. And so he says, ready, set. I'm praying about it. Ready, set. Is that you, Lord? Ready, set. Ah, conditions are not really that right right now. And we wonder why our testimony is diminished by the world. We wonder why people hear us say that we're Christians. When we invite them to church, they were like, I don't really want to go where you're going because you're not doing anything with your life other than going to church on Sundays. And so what I believe here at Valley Church is that we're going to be a people who come out the blocks. That when God says, ready, set, go, we're coming out. We're moving forward. We're taking one step at a time, walking in destiny. Because why? You were made for something great. You were made for more than a Sunday morning in a blue chair here at the church. And so I want to close by asking you to stand up with me right now. Because I didn't come just to preach a cute message to you. I came to incite you to change today. To spur you to action. As God asked Moses what's in his hand, I want to ask you the same question. What's in your hand? What's in your hand that you've been diminishing, that you've been ignoring, that God is trying to highlight in you, that you've been pushing away? And as an act of spiritual muscle memory, I want you to put your hands out in front of you right now. I want you to start to look at your hands prayerfully right now. Everybody, look at your hands and start to ask God, God, what have you put in my hand? 
What is that idea that you gave me that I've buried? What's that dream that you gave me that because I, I heard a no the first time, I never went back to it? What is that skill that you gave me that you made me very intricately, purposefully, specifically for this particular purpose? But I'm saying, ah, that's just that. While you look at your hand, I need you to notice reality that there are people making millions of dollars today because they tapped into a niche that everybody else ignored. And some of you, God has been giving you little clues. He's been waking you up in the midnight hour at 2.13 a.m. and he's trying to speak to you and you're like, ah, I'm going to hit the snooze button because I just need to get a little bit more sleep. God is saying, it's not time to sleep. It's time for you to write this down because this is purpose for you. Look at those hands. Look at those hands. Now lift those hands up to the Lord. As you lift your hands up to the Lord, what you're saying is, God, I'm living in a posture of open-handedness to you. That what you put on the inside of me, I know is for your glory. That I'm not going to diminish what's in my hands. I'm going to lean into what's in my hands. That because of you, God, I can do anything but fail. And even if it looks like I failed, I'm still learning for my journey. So with those hands lifted, I pray over you now. God, I thank you that in this room, there are dreams being released. That in this room, there are people coming off pause. In this room, there's, there's a body of people who are coming out of the starter blocks and saying, God, I'm ready to go. In this room, God, I thank you that you're stirring up the gifts on the inside of them right now. I feel this very strongly. Father, I thank you right now that you are waking up the dead version of ourselves today. That we understand that there's another me on the inside of me. That where I've taken myself out of the game, I'm going to step back into the game this time with you, God. So, Lord, I bless you for these people. I thank you that this is not just a moment in time. This is a moment that changes everything if we can walk in it. And with those same hands lifted, there may be some people in here that say, I, I know all of this, what you're saying is true, but I know I can't do it by myself. I need Jesus as my Savior. I need a relationship with Christ in order to do this because I don't want to just do this out of a good idea. I need the power of God. And so for all of us in this room, if you will repeat this prayer after me, still with those hands lifted, say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Not just dying for my sins, but dying so that I can have life and experience life to the full. Today I repent, which means I turn away from my way of doing things. And I turn and accept your way of doing things. God, I'm asking that you allow me to walk in the fullness of my calling and embrace the fullness of my purpose in you. From this day, I declare that Jesus is my Lord, my Savior, and I will live for him. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Come on, if you believe that, can you put your hands together in this place? Come on, if you really believe that, not for me, but as an exclamation mark, an exclamation mark to the devil and an exclamation mark to heaven saying that I'm going to walk in at this time. Come on.
12 o'clock service, I need you to thank God right now. I need you to say, God, I am with you. I'm walking this thing out, and I declare nothing is going to stop me because I'm all the way up. God bless you, Valley. Thank you so much, Mo. As I said, he, he, didn't, he didn't bless us. He just left a deposit in us. And now we got to tend that. Now we need to tend that and take care of it. And not just think about it and pray about it. But we need to put some feet on it. Take some steps with it. Mo, come on back here for just a minute. I got something else I want oh, to say. Well, go right ahead, and then I'll go after that. How about that? Pastor Susie, can you come up this way? I have no idea what he's doing, he's, honey. He has no idea. <laughs> like I said, and he actually said it, we've had the privilege this weekend to spend some real good intentional time. We've known each other for a long time. But I just want to take a moment. I didn't want to leave here today. I know I said it at the beginning of the service, but sometimes the pastors, the leaders, they're always up front and they never see the goodness of God that's actually operating behind them. And so for a moment, I want you guys to stretch your hands towards your pastors. I want you just to start to pray for them. I'm going to pray in a moment, but I want you to put God's blessing in your mouth towards them right now. Because there are times that what we'll do is we'll, again, just kind of go through the motions. We know they're going to be here next week. And, you know, yes, I appreciate them. But prayer power goes a lot farther than just thoughts. And so right there where you are, just for a moment, just continue to pray. Continue to pray. Start to declare God's blessing over their lives. Start to declare God's protection over their lives. Start to declare God's favor over their lives. Start to declare God's energy, his supernatural energy over their lives so that they will not faint, but they will finish the race. God, we pray right now over Pastor Susie, over Doc, God, over the Williamson family, Father, that they will live and not die. Father, I cancel in the spirit any attack of the enemy that would try to go underneath the radar. Father, I come against any fissures behind the scenes that they may not know of, but that you know of, God. Father, I thank you that this leadership in this house is strong. I declare, Father, that even as we understand that it's time for us to go, that you're waking up even the sleeping giant and some of the people in this room and those who will hear this message online. God, I pray right now that in this next season, they will not have the moments of feeling like, does anybody else care about this? Does anybody else see this? Does anybody else have the burden like we do? Father, I thank you that you are waking up new people, even people who are here. You're giving them another level of understanding of their place and their purpose to move this vision forward in this place. God, I pray right now for even recalibration, for people in this moment that 
have felt like they've disqualified themselves from walking in the next level of grace, God, I thank you that they will try it again. That even this week, the Williamsons will get emails of people who are saying, I'm ready now. I'm ready now. I'm ready now. I'm ready now. I'm ready to move into purpose. I'm ready to come off pause. I'm ready to come out of the starting blocks and actually walk in my purpose. So God, I plead the blood of Jesus over Valley Church. I declare that even by the name, there will be people who come feeling like they're in a valley, feeling like there's no hope, feeling like there's nothing they can do. But God, I thank you that they will look towards the hills from which come their help, knowing that their help comes from the Lord. God, I pray that this will be an oasis that as people find themselves, even on the backside of the desert, hearing you call them, that they will come into, into a place of a body of believers who will wrap their arms around them, who will be able to fortify them, heal them up, and send them out into purpose in a new level, in a new dimension. And so, God, I just pray for supernatural wisdom, grace, favor over this ministry, over this couple, and I declare that you are walking with them and they are walking with you. And every person under their leadership will be able to do the same with the confidence that comes from you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. something I was going to say. <laughs> what I want to do is I just want to ask you to extend your hand this way and we want to pray and bless Mo and Kendra yes. and Maximus yes, as well. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for Andrew Moman, thank you, Jesus. Kendra Moman, thank you, Jesus. Maximus Moman, yes, Father, we just pray you pour out a new measure of grace upon them, Father. Lord, we thank you that what the purpose that you have created them for and what you have called them to do and who you have called them to be, Lord, as clear as it has been, even still, it's yet to be imagined, yet to be fully understood. Father, we just pray for a a new anointing, fresh and powerful anointing, Lord, that would break the yokes there in metropolitan Atlanta yes, area. Lord. Father, we pray that you would just continue to put your hand upon Mo and Kendra as ambassadors for you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That they would know that, that you have gone before them and behind them and around them. Hallelujah. And Lord, that that opportunities are going to come to them, Lord, that they have never even imagined possible because you know you can trust them. Thank you, Jesus. You can trust them to carry your word Thank you, Lord. and to carry your presence, Lord, into dark places. God, we just pray for a special grace outpoured upon them, your Holy Spirit, and a fresh anointing, Lord. And God, we pray now for for our brother Mo, Lord, who has given out, he's, he's spent himself. Lord, we just pray for strength now, Father, and a return to his precious wife and son, Lord, without any delay, Thank you, Jesus. without any, any complication. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, we just pray that you would restore him and refresh him for his willingness, Lord, 
to pour out and to give himself, Lord, this weekend to the Valley family and to sow the incorruptible word of God into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I was going to ask Susie if she wanted to bless y'all, but because I'm wiped out, but she left. So I'm going to do it. Listen, uh, we hope it's been a great experience for you today. I, I, I don't think I need to even ask. It just, it really has. And uh, if you're here for the first time, I, I'd love to meet you personally. If I hadn't had a chance to do that before, put a name with a face that, that I'm seeing at this time. If you just stop by the carpeted area in our cafe, someone from our host team will meet you out there, and I'll be joining them. And I'd love to just greet you and welcome you here. We also have uh, a couple of gifts there. There you go. It's a team effort here. A couple of gifts there we'd love to put in your hands. Also, if you prayed for the first time to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. We have a Bible we want to put in your hands. It's called the New Believer's Bible. It's called that because sometimes the Bible can be a little tricky. It has all kinds of additional notes in it that will help you to understand what it is that you're reading, kind of like the way you heard Mo preach, the way we like to teach and preach here as well. Did you come to say the blessing? Okay. All right. Can I pass it to you? You do it so well. All right. Just bless the people there. Okay. If you'd like to receive this blessing, family, family, just put your hands up in a receiving posture. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, go in peace. Start walking. Amen.